We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E. Every child deserves a team. That's the belief behind Jigsaw Learning, a proud sponsor of the Bee Podcast Network. And it's why the company, founded by educators Curtis and Lorna Hewson, focuses on ensuring success for all learners through collaborative response an approach in which every child is supported by a team. Through customized professional learning that incorporates workshops, leadership development, online learning opportunities, and more, Jigsaw Learning can guide you every step of the way to create a plan to maximize the collective capacity in your schools. Learn more at jigsawlearning.ca. Why do we need to know this? How will we ever use this in life? Those phrases sound familiar? Anybody that's been teaching in front of a class has heard those at one time or another. Hey, everyone, Dr. Jones here again with another episode of Seeing to Lead. And this week on Seeing to Lead, I speak to Ray Hewitt, who has all kinds of information that helps combat those two phrases. And actually, combat is the wrong term because it isn't about that once some of these specific strategies she mentions are put into practice. You see, Ray tells us that you always, always need to immerse your students in the why of the content before actually teaching them the content. And the Teach Forward model that she talks about allows teachers to do just that through the creation of themed internships. Boy, when I heard about that, I was really excited about where that conversation was going to go. You know, as leaders, we can help teachers make this transition as well. We don't just stand on the sideline while they learn how to do it. We help them focus on the why instead of the content first through networking. We become facilitators of community contacts, but most of all, we create time and space so that teachers can turn their lessons around and put the purpose first. You know, change doesn't come in large giant steps and then just stay. There has to be specific attention paid to the idea of creating things in small steps that are then scalable and that are repeatable so that they become systematic. Once you get these routines and habits, Ray tells us that there are huge differences that can be made. I can't wait for you to hear this conversation with Ray. It was so enlightening and gave me so many ideas to move forward. But don't take it from me. Let's listen to Ray on Seeing to Lead. The Teach Further model was something I developed slowly over time that I know a lot of educators are utilizing now. And I shout out to them doing incredible things, but it allows the teacher to create themed internships that are all sponsored by local businesses to essentially put the purpose of the content before any of the teaching or the lessons of the content. So your students are immersed in a problem, immersed in a job 
that they can truly leave your classroom and go see in action. And then they can begin to question, well, how do I do this? Why has this happened this way? And then you get into teaching those standards, which is, you know, actually our job. So what I really love is that it teaches students the why before anything else in their content. Dr. Chris Jones here, and welcome to Seeing to Lead, a show designed to help leaders increase their ability to effectively support, engage, and empower their staff through intentional practices so that they create an environment where everyone reaches their greatest level of success. On Seeing to Lead, communication rules the day as we hear voices from both teachers and leaders in an effort to examine perspectives, highlight misunderstandings, and provide steps to ultimately bridge the gap between what teachers need and provide through thoughtful dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. Ray Hewer is the CXO for the Teach Better team, former executive director of the Association of Illinois Middle Grade Schools, TEDx speaker, educator, and author of Teachers Deserve It and Teach Better Books. Growing up with IEP support after being diagnosed SLD in reading, writing, and math, Ray has worked with other educators and districts on designing mastery learning classrooms nationwide to reach all learners. Ray continues to facilitate rich discussions with educators around mastering personalized learning, providing targeted student-focused feedback, and the impact of incorporating purpose into student daily learning. Through building partnerships with local businesses, Ray continues to support educators in designing dynamic, impactful, effective, and connected content, showing the impact of teaching beyond the four walls of a classroom and altering a community into an authentic resource for developing leaders. After being inducted into the Illinois State University Hall of Fame in 2017, Ray was awarded the 2018 First Place Henry Ford Teacher Innovator Award for her innovative educational impact through the Teach Further model. In 2021, Ray Hewitt presented on the TEDx stage challenging educators, students, and community members to consider progressive, data-supported practices to further 21st century learners. In 2022, Ray Hewitt was awarded with the Educational Leadership Award in Las Vegas at a global event celebration, progressive educational teams impacting the field. I can't tell you how excited I am to have Ray on the podcast today. So welcome, Ray. Thank you for coming on. Oh, so excited to be here. And thank you for that whole overview. It's just like, yikes, that was awesome. I so appreciate it. <laughs> well, you say awesome. That's You're the one that drove it. So, I mean, this is all work that you believe in and that you've done. I guess I'm just so flattered to have somebody listed it all like that. I feel like I should be like, <laughs> I feel, I'm blushing over here on the other side of the microphone. So with that in mind, because it is, I mean, it is, it's a lot to think about. Why don't you fill us in, the listeners, in on your journey a little bit. And if you could kind of focus on or hit on the two books that, you ta- that you've written that are about supporting teachers that we mentioned, Teachers Deserve It and Teach Better. And then also the whole idea of the teach further model. I think those two things would be really valuable for our listeners to hear about. Yeah, absolutely. Hi, everyone. My name is Ray. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for listening and subscribing to Chris's podcast. It's just such a cool opportunity for me. I'm an educator through and through, started in middle level education. That's where I love. I mean, I get to work for teachers K-12 now, but those middle school teachers, there's something special about them that they hang out with 
smelly, sarcastic 11 year olds all day, which was so fun. <laughs> and all the things you asked me about the books and the model and the work that I do now all stemmed from that initial time as a classroom teacher. And, you know, I know so many of us are so fortunate to have had that role or currently have that role. And it all came down to the concept of wanting to serve our students in the best possible way while also maintaining our sanity. Something that I know you mentioned in my bio is that I was a struggling learner. And when I came into adulthood, it's not like that stuff went away. I just found supports to make it manageable. So I still struggle with reading. I still struggle with some of those essential skills. But what I found as a teacher is that if I could find some way to create a routine that allowed my students to thrive and made sure that I didn't miss anything that was important to miss, you know, to give to my kids, then I was winning. So the Teach Further model was something I developed slowly over time that you know a lot of educators are utilizing now. And I shout out to them doing incredible things. But it allows the teacher to create themed internships that are all sponsored by local businesses to essentially put the purpose of the content before any of the teaching or the lessons of the content. So your students are immersed in a problem, immersed in a job that they can truly leave your classroom and go see in action. And then they can begin to question, well, how do I do this? Why has this happened this way? And then you get into teaching those standards, which is you know actually our job. So what I really love is that it teaches students the why before anything else in their content. And it also creates community, you know, supports, you know, we have edu- people in our communities that aren't educators that need to know how to support our schools. And it created a beautiful partnership where people could just be themselves and bring in their insight, which is, you know, awesome for us. So a lot of that work sparked the work I get to do now. And the two books kind of came from partnering with other people that had passion to do good work in education. So I'm very fortunate, but I think this all stems from the same thing that we all work every single day to do, which is do the right thing for our schools and trying to find a way to share it as easily as possible so that our other colleagues and friends can all work to be better together. You know, that's that's fantastic that that you just explained it that way. Something I, that really struck me was the themed internships piece. So at the high school level, myself, we think of how we're preparing students once they leave the high school. And it's not just about college. It's about being ready to enter into any career field, especially today, where you can be flexible and you can pivot and be creative as to what you do. You talk about themed internships and making sure that people understand or students understand the reasoning for the content, the why, I think you said, before hitting the standards. How do we as leaders, just sitting here from the leadership standpoint, how do we as leaders support teachers in making that transition from the content standards to the why? Sure. I think there's some really easy, obtainable things that we can do that don't add other components to our role. You know, when I was growing up, I had wonderfully supported parents, a huge, beautiful network of people. And a lot of them were actually in the design industry. So building buildings, construction, architecture, furniture design, all that jazz. And it was a cool space as a child to see the work being done in that world. And so much of it was focused on networking, right? How could you meet somebody in the industry that was going to help you with that next project that you were going to work on? And my parents really instilled this importance of networking, this importance of being able to have conversations with people and become more educated by speaking with others from a very early age. So when we look at themed internships, we're not talking about paying for busing and shipping our kids to essentially be taught by other people. Educators are experts at the work that they do. 
the part that the community can put forth is really almost echoing the important elements of our standards. Why are they something that should be taught? Why are they something that our students should value? And can our community give the teachers the insight to be able to best understand the why humanly possible so that they can get into the teaching, the nitty gritty design work that they need to do to support the student to be successful. As a leader, I think this has to do with two different components. One is allowing the time and space for your teachers to learn how to do something like this. You know, I think it's, I think of it as like one more step to their already, you know, large lesson plan format that they have. The the final step would just be ensuring that the purpose is at the forefront of the lesson, which we could talk about as much as we need to here or anyone listening. You could reach out to me. I'll share all my secrets. But the other element for leadership, I think leaders that we work with, in this space are really good at kind of being the facilitators of those community contacts. You know, as principals or superintendents, directors, coaches, you know people, you meet people at board meetings, you meet people at Jewel Osco on the grocery store, you know, like anytime anybody meets anybody, if you work with our leadership teams to kind of have that ongoing list of resources. It gives the teacher that peace of mind that they don't have to do it all on their own and they can work with a collaborative partner on it. So, you know, with these types of internships, we've done everything to reaching out to gas station cashiers to working out working with CEOs of major national corporations. And, you know, the more people you know, the better we can do. That's awesome. You know, so just so I'm hearing you right, Teachers, yes, they're the front line, so to speak. And if we can get the community in to help out with the teachers and to kind of explain what's needed by the teachers and leaders, if I'm hearing you right, we need to make sure that if this is being added to teachers or the teachers are trying to make this move, that we're taking something off their plate. So to use the very cliche term, or that we let them know somehow that they're not responsible for getting that work done, that we get that work done for them and we play the connectors. Yeah, I think it's easier said than done when we always suggest to leadership, hey, if you're going to add something to a teacher's plate, you have to take something off their list. I mean, in theory, we would love to do that. I've never met a leader who's been like, no, I really want to overwhelm my staff on a consistent (laughs) basis. But the reality is what I said earlier is I really believe in systematic, scalable routines. And as leaders, if we bring professional development or learning opportunities, ways to enhance our lesson plans to our teachers... We need to ensure that our educators fully understand that this is a scalable, sustainable model that is best for students versus another thing on the list. And I think that's where that connotation comes from is when it's another thing, it essentially means that it doesn't apply to anything else and you're doing it in isolation and you're doing it because you have to. What I really love working with educational leadership teams on and educators in the classroom is how do we blend these to-do list items together so that we're creating a scalable system. So every day isn't 12 things in isolation, but one thing that really serves all the things unanimously. So, and it's, I'm glad that you mentioned the idea of students and what we're doing for students. So I know that you work on this with teachers in different schools. So talk to me a little bit about the student's experience, because the people listening to this are going to wonder, okay, where does the student fall into this? And is it something that the student sees as engaging because it's not the schoolwork? Or is it engaging because it's actually empowering them to do something? So what's this look like from the student's viewpoint? Yeah, I love this stuff. I could talk about this forever. And shout out (laughs) to the Teach Better team who makes this happen on a huge scale. Because while I would love to be like, yeah, I do this all the time. It's really the team that does this all the time. I just get to be a part of the fun. But I have to tell you, from a student standpoint, it's just a different way 
of approaching the learning environment. So students are essentially in one year immersed into 25 different themed internships that are sponsored by local businesses or national organizations. And it allows the student to, in like the broadest of strokes, we'll just create some examples, connect with two community members every single unit. They're collecting business cards throughout their entire year. They're building connections not only between the content and the real world application, but also learning about the mass number of jobs that actually exist in their local communities, which is such a blessing. I know so many of our schools we've worked with that are more rural talk about how there's no jobs, you have to become a farmer. And they're like, no, actually, there's an enormous amount of roles that people play in making this community thrive. And when you get to more urban environment that only, you know, quadruples, and then we can talk about all these other elements. So I think it really opens our students' minds up to not just leaning toward those typical jobs, you know, become an astronaut, become a ballerina, become a doctor. But what are the other things that you can go do to give back to this community? And then we always conclude every single unit by allowing the students who have now become masters of this content to share that back to the community. So now that they do know how to, you know, divide decimals or add or subtract decimals, how are they going to now contribute back to the society that they live in so that maybe somebody that forgot that fourth grade standard can now go implement it better by putting it on a placemat, using it at a local restaurant or something in between, some sort of outreach opportunity. And I think this really creates a circular effect with the way that we can not only educate our students, but also educate our community in the, at the same time. I think that's fantastic. The idea of bringing the community in like that. I mean, we're obviously doing what's best for the students because it's opening their minds and teachers are seeing a higher level of engagement and empowerment in the classroom and the community's in. So I just think that's a fantastic model. The idea that you talked to me about it was great. Well, I love it. And you know, it's not a bad thing, but as educators, we know that schools are just magical places and I, our community is really hungry to be a part of them. And so our parents, our guardians, our stakeholders don't know how to get into schools unless they're writing a check or unless they're coming for that one choir concert that happens during Christmas. So how can we bring our community into our schools in a more organic way just asking them to be themselves. And, you know, I'm kind of experiencing this now for the first time, having some kids in school where, you know, you have fathers that want to come in and engage with their learners. And the only way they know how to do that is to come and do a read aloud. Well, that's awesome. And we're glad that they do that once a year, but couldn't they also come in and share so much more of the insight that they've done? So just finding, again, ways for people to be comfortable in their own shoes, being themselves in our school system. It's so important because with lack of information, whenever there's a void of information, people make up their own information. And quite often, just because of the nature of schools, the wrong information is thought of or comes out. And so oftentimes we talk about telling our stories of all the great things going on in school. But the idea that you, and this works for conversations as well. If you want to have a good conversation with somebody, let them talk about themselves because that's personal to them and they're passionate about it. And that makes them feel as if they're part of it. So bringing bringing the adults in or the community members in to talk about what they do and the role they play. I love that you said that phrase, what role they play. The role that they play is meaningful and important. And so everybody benefits. Yeah, such a fun. I love that you gave me a space to be able to talk about it a bit because it is a really fun thing that, you know, we get to do. And I love whether, you know, educators are working with us to do it, like they're doing a partner school district with the team, or maybe they just heard this idea on a podcast and they go run with it. Like, 
any part of that makes us better. So good luck with whatever people your listeners go and run with. It's exciting. I was going to say, so anybody listening to this, go and run with themed internships. <laughs> yeah, do it. And then if you run into hurdles, know that like I would love to problem solve with you. So email me, reach out on social media. Like you are not alone in trying something great for students. And don't be fearful. Like let's try something, let's fail and let's brainstorm how to fix it. That's beautifully said. You know, it's funny because right now we're working on, at my school, doing Innovation Pathways, which is where we partner. It's a program in Massachusetts. We partner with industry partners, to to overuse the word partner, but we... What we do is we find these places and then students do internships with them. They advise us on what we need to get to the students so that the students are ready as soon as they leave our school to participate at an entry level job with a good career ladder in those fields. And we sometimes struggle getting industry partners because that bar starts high. Yeah. But I really like what you're saying where it's a lower bar and it's accessible. Yeah. And, you know, we can do this with, you know, students from a kindergarten level all the way through high school. So it should be a higher bar when you're getting into a conversation about high school students. But can we find a way to divvy that out a little bit? So not all the work lands on people that already have full-time jobs, right? That's the whole point. But then also find a way to introduce these careers early in our students' lives. So when they get to high school, maybe they're able to be more specific in the work that they want to do internships in because the struggle is that we ask our children to choose their career path, their junior year in high school, but we just start exposing them to those opportunities right. a year prior. Right. So that becomes really challenging versus a student in second grade or sixth grade who's being exposed to 25 different roles and then some as depending on how, what route you go, you're really allowing you to end your internship every single time and say, did I like what I experienced? And if not, is there an element I liked? And maybe I didn't love working at a pizza shop, but did I like customer service? Okay, where does customer service exist in my community? And maybe I really liked talking to people. Okay, so I don't need to necessarily become a X, Y, and Z, but will I lean more towards career paths that allow me to speak my mind? And then those are the slow, organic conversations we need. That's awesome. Supporting your teachers and students seems to be a struggle. They just don't seem to be engaged. You wish they would take more responsibility for their learning and culture of the building, but they just don't seem to be empowered enough to do it. So my question is, have you checked out the book Seeing to Lead yet? It's all about creating a true educational experience where learning, growth, leadership, and community take center stage. Full of strategies and resources, Seeing to Lead is about attaining that goal by employing a model that supports, engages, and empowers all individuals to become leaders themselves. Pick up a copy today at seeingtolead.com. That's S-E-E-I-N-G-T-O-L-E-A-D.com. Remember, you don't become a leader and then decide you need to support and recognize others more than yourself. It is the moment you realize it's about supporting and recognizing others that you become a leader. Seeingtolead.com. I want to shift gears just a little bit, but it's so related to what you're talking about because you talked about open-minded. And this helps you become open-minded or be open-minded to new opportunities and new things that are around you. And one of your books, the title of it, Teachers Deserve It, What You Deserve, Why You Don't Have It, and How You Can Go Get It, really struck me as something where teachers need to be open-minded about what they deserve 
and how they can go get it. So can you talk to the listeners a little bit about that and why that book is important for them to go pick up and take a look at? Yeah, so full transparency, I didn't want to write this book. It was pitched to me (laughs) by a very, very respected, at that point, I was fangirling by (laughs) my friend Adam Welcome. And he wrote a book called Kids Deserve It with Todd Misloney. And it blew up. People loved this book. And so I was sitting at a table with him in Illinois having a steak dinner. Oh my God, Chris, you would love that. It was like red wine, beautiful meal. There was like seven people at this table. You had me steak. Oh, it was delicious. And I have no idea. I don't know who paid for it. And I don't know how I got a seat, but it was delicious. And so I'm sitting next to Adam and he leans over and he's like, Ray, I want to write a book. And I was like, well, good for you, buddy. Go crazy. He's like, (laughs) he's like, no, you should write it with me. And I'm like, okay, how many people are you asking? Like, is this like a book where it's like 900 authors, like list me at the bottom, right? Whatever. He's like, well, I want to write a sequel. The kids deserve it. And I'm like, okay, pitch me the idea. And he's like, well, I wrote a whole book about how kids deserve all these things, but the problem is kids don't deserve those things in spite of what teachers deserve. We have to find a way to give teachers what they deserve in addition to then therefore giving kids what they deserve. And in my mind, when he pitched it this way, and we went months and months discussing this concept, I was like, ew, this is going to be like a bitch book. Like this is going to be talking about how leadership (laughs) sucks. And how principals like are terrible to their teachers and teachers deserve like great things. And essentially I was like, absolutely not. Do not have my name on that. (laughs) And long story short, after all these conversations, we realized it wasn't, it wasn't a knock on anyone. It was actually supposed to be an empowering message. How can we actually find ways to say, okay, teachers deserve more pay. Teachers deserve smaller class sizes. Teachers deserve respect. And then how do we take these ideas talk about how important they are, and then give teachers the first few steps in ensuring that these things occur. So what I love that this book has actually turned into a really good like beginning of the year read for staff development or like mid-year read for staff development because it really is empowering. It really goes into how, you know, teachers do deserve so many things. For example, respect is one of them. And yet this is a field that's not respected. Why is that? We have incredible degrees for the work we do. Many of us in the field have master's degrees. We have 180 hours of certification we have to do every five years to keep our you know, license. Like there are endless things. Educators are learners. We have so many things, but how do we share that? Well, one of the comical elements we found is that we couldn't find a single teacher that hung their degrees, certifications, or awards in their classroom. Well, why is that? Why are we not celebrating the fact that we are well-educated individuals? You know, so there's just the book is full of small strategies that allow educators to be a part of finding a way to get what they deserve. And I loved it because it wasn't blaming anyone except teachers to take a stand. And I loved this message because I think everybody can have everybody can find a way to take three seconds to make this feel better. And it was amazing to write a book with oodles of them, you know? <laughs> I think that's fantastic. You know, it's funny because the looks I get when I talk to other principals about being a teacher-centered leader, and they say, what are you talking about? You can't be a teacher-centered, you have to be a student-centered leader. Because it's just, and it was always odd, and I mentioned it in my book, that I kind of carried a chip on my shoulder for a little while about when I was a student in school about teachers not doing things the way I thought they should be, right? Because of course, I know I'm the student. 
But not until I realized that they didn't really have a leader that was supporting them, engaging them in that process or empowering them to do that, where they garner the respect, where they can do different things based on what they think might work rather than what they're supposed to do based on what somebody that's never been in a classroom is telling them they should be doing and kind of owning their respect. It wasn't until then that I really started to make that transformation into the idea that teachers do deserve it. And we need to make sure that we're doing that for them. Yeah, I I would really encourage leadership teams to pick up the book. It's a quick, easy read. I call it like a beach book. Like you're not going to take notes in the margins. You might like (laughs) fold a a page down, but it should just be a very organic read. And Adam and I both have snippets from our personal lives, kind of like scattered throughout the chapters. And one of my favorite chapters that I think has created the most, how do I say, backlash, energy, opinions, whatever, (laughs) is one of the last few chapters that talks about how teachers deserve to wear jeans. So I'd love to hear everybody's response. Go check out that chapter. Let us know if you believe teachers deserve to wear jeans and it'll create some good conversation. The great jean argument. Oh, the great jean <laughs> argument. And it created controversy when we were writing it too. I sent out a tweet oh. and oh my goodness, people have opinions. Yeah, <laughs> they do. And there's, you know, there's nothing else to be focused on besides whether jeans should be all right to wear. Absolutely. I mean, our industry is perfect. So let's focus on our pants. I mean, I hate to out myself, Chris, but I'm wearing jeans right now. So I hate to say it. That's fine. You're not outing yourself. I'm in shorts. So it doesn't, you know, I wear shorts every chance I get. But, you know, this is this has been a great conversation. I will definitely look more into the theme, the thematic internships. I think I, I just think that's a brilliant idea and a brilliant way of keeping people's minds open about education. And you talk about different ways about being respected and so forth. That's a great way to bring the community in and show what teachers do, who they are, and the respect that they deserve. So thank you very much for bringing that up. But, you know, along with that and the piece about your book that you're explaining, and I would recommend everybody gets that for a staff read, an all-staff read or a beginning-of-the-year read. I think there's some really good actionable things in there that people can move on. But I do end every podcast with two questions. And the first one is, if you were not an educator, because you've run the gamut, if you were not an educator, a teacher, a leader in education, who, not what would you be? Okay, I have the lamest answer ever. And I'm (laughs) so glad my mother will not hear this. But I think I really would love to be my mom's assistant. I don't know if that's possible. I don't know that she'd hire me. But I am the daughter of this incredible woman who does all this project management in the city of Chicago. And she's like a professional networker. She's like an on-the-go woman, professional boss in every way, shape, and form. I would be really good like running behind her, holding her coffee, scheduling her (laughs) meetings. Like she also just like dresses fabulously. I just think I would be a really good assistant to my mother. So Maybe like a personal assistant, but for somebody doing like really cool work. I think that was- <laughs> No, why is that? Why a personal assistant, you think? I you know I love coffee, so I'm good in a coffee run. I'm extremely organized. And, you know, I feel like it would cause for some fun outfits running around the city following a woman who's changing the world one step at a time. I think I would just want to be around people doing creative, fabulous things to in the world. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. Well, that, uh, I mean, that shows why you are where you are now. I mean, maybe, but <laughs> I just, I think that, I think if you actually interviewed her on your next podcast, she'd be like, I would never hire Ray. Not a chance. <laughs> I love her. She's a great daughter. I would never hire her. Yeah. She'd be like, yeah, we can't spend that much time together. And I need, a, I need somebody who will take direction. Maybe I'm not so good at taking direction, but I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> You know, a lot of the stuff you said is something that I'm thinking people are going to reach out to you about. But as we think about some of the things we talked about, what's the most important thing for leaders to think about, remember, or do as they work to better support, engage, and empower those they lead? You know, I think it really comes down to what I started sharing earlier, which this is this concept of so many elements of education being in isolation and finding ways to create scalable routines. I think I leaned towards this as a person on my own because I really struggle having a lot on my to-do list. I struggle when the pieces I'm working on don't align with other things I'm doing because I inevitably I'll forget something and it will fall to the wayside. And so I would love to challenge our leadership teams, challenge our coaches, anything in between to find ways to create scalable models so that because when we have routines, then it, then you, it becomes a norm, you know, like nobody stresses about the need to brush their teeth every morning because it's a part of our routine and we know how to do it. It doesn't mean that we don't have to do it anymore. It's still a part of our morning routine, but it's not an added stress because it's a part of our schedule. So I'd love to challenge our leadership teams to see if there's ways that we can help teachers do that because sometimes an outside perspective to kind of put those puzzle pieces together is really beneficial. That's so smart. And to put it in a way like that, I mean, if you th the idea you mentioned brushing your teeth, that's so true. It makes me think of, do leaders start with small things for teachers to be able to do that? So if there's a, if there's a larger area they want to get them to, do they baby step them up to it and not move until they get that routine or that habit down? I would, but I also think it starts with those generic conversations. You know, sometimes you're in a conversation with the teacher. I just had one the other day where they were talking about goal setting and reflecting, and they really wanted their students to have a daily opportunity to goal set and reflect. So we were talking through how to do that, why we do it, what medium to use, paper, pencil versus electronic, whatever. And then I kind of stopped the educator and I was like, can you tell me something else that you want unrelated to this? And without missing a beat, the teacher's like, Ugh, the next thing I might to do is to figure out how to communicate with parents better. She's like, I used to do a weekly newsletter. It's becoming a huge stress on me. I end up having to wait till Thursday night. I'm trying to send it out Friday. I can never get it done. And then my child has dance practice, like whatever, all these things. And I'm like, what if we found a way that you have this daily goal setting and reflecting objective? What if we found a way that when the student goal set and reflected on the day, it immediately communicated to parents? Okay, so now you have two of your goals that are working together so now it's even more of a celebration when you give students the time and space to goal set and reflect. It's two birds, one stone. And so she was like, okay, how? And I'm like, what? There's got to be a tech resource out there where you link a parent account and a student account. And we end up using Seesaw, which is a free account she set up where the students are going to goal set and reflect in a medium. They're going to answer three questions at the end of every day. And then it essentially will create a three to five minute portal that the parent can see how their class is going. And I think that those organic conversations allow us to become more systematic. That's awesome. You know, you said a lot. You, you even dumped a tech tool in there at the end. Yes. <laughs> <When>? yeah. <laughs> you hit all the check boxes. If people want to get in touch with you, because you did say that, and that's kind of you to even say, because I know you're super busy, but you're so willing to help people out. If people do want to get in touch with you, what's the best way they can reach you? 
Yeah, no, I, I hope we stay connected, friends. I would love to. I'm a learner as well. I love connecting with people. Networking is something I preach, but also really value. So I hope we connect. I'd love to connect with you personally, but I feel like you also need to connect with the people in the Teach Better community because, you know, connecting with me is great, but there's way more, there's fabulous people in this community. So you'll have a lot to choose from. I personally am just my name, Ray Hewart on all social media. My email is ray at teachbetter.com. But again, I would really encourage you to connect with at the Teach Better team on all social media and go to teachbetter.com to see all the cool stuff going on. There's lots of ways to find your people. So I know, Chris, you have a lot of connections. You're a very net person who values networking and we'll all be better the more people we connect with. Absolutely. I will put all those things in the show notes, all the links. I'll link up to your book or your books. And, you know, I hope people take the time after listening to this to reach out to you. I can't thank you enough for coming on. It's been a great conversation. I know I learned quite a few things. So thank you very much. I love it. Thanks for the opportunity. All good. Well, that's a wrap, but not the end. Next step, be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Hey, thanks for listening to the Seeing to Lead podcast. If you would like to connect for any reason, email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at Dr. C.S. Jones. If you've gotten any value from the Seeing to Lead podcast today, you can help me and other leaders create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating and review, and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway. Also, one last thing. Have you had a chance to pick up my latest five-star rated book yet? Grab your copy of Seeing to Lead anywhere you buy books or at seeingtolead.com. That's S-E-E-I-N-G-T-O-L-E-A-D.com where you can learn more and continue to improve. Now go have a successful week. And now a quick word from our sponsor, Jigsaw Learning. Whether you lead at the school, district, or division level, you're serving a wide array of students, and you know that no one person has all the answers when it comes to meeting each of their needs. That's why Jigsaw Learning helps leaders and their staff and faculty to develop a collaborative approach. Every child deserves a team, and when you put together the pieces of effective collaboration, you can realize that team's full potential. Connection relationships, and authentic collaboration are at the foundation of Jigsaw Learning's work. Through professional learning presented on-site, online, or a blend of both, Jigsaw's team of experienced learning associates works with you to develop a personalized plan to help collaborative response thrive in your organization. Learn why educators have described working with Jigsaw Learning as powerful, wonderful, and beneficial for all students. Visit jigsawlearning.ca and connect with the team for information. That's jigsawlearning.ca. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. 
Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E.